Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the author, co-author, co-instructor of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. It's all the game theory, all the all the ins and outs of playing Daily Fantasy Sports. Doesn't matter the sport. NBA is coming, coming back, right? We're, we're back in the NBA season, NFL, PGA, MMA, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, essentially, DFS is one big math problem, and uh, and I, I teach you how to solve it. So go to theoryofdfs.com and pick that up. Join with me is uh, is is a high a higher stakes a small field single entry specialist. Which which to be fair, Eric, I I dip my toes in the water kind of this past slate. You you'll be pr- you'll be proud of me. Uh, well, it's Eric Bynfor. You can find him at Eric Bynfor on Twitter, but. This was the first NFL slate of the year that I didn't like. I didn't like multi-enter or anything. I mean, I played eighteen lineups, so so it's it's still not like it's still not. I didn't play two. I didn't play one lineup in a fifteen hundred dollar contest. But uh, this this week, the DraftKings had the ten dollar milli, which cut down on the nine dollar slant. And yep. I didn't want to. I, I don't. I typically don't play the milli, so I didn't. And then the slant became less of a priority. And then I look in the lobby and I go, like, what the fuck am I playing then? And and then they made the spies double spies yep. because they had another contest. It, it contradicted with another contest. So I'm like, like you know what I'm going to do? You know, the $33 five max, I'll play five entries into that. I'll play mm-hmm. each double spy. I'll play with two red zones. There was a $50 single entry. Then Then you had the power sweep. And there were two power sweeps, 100K to first, 50K to first. I played two entries into that, into each. So that's 150. So, like, I'm still playing contests that are, like, 1,000 to 4,000, you know, mm-hmm. entries, not 50,000 to 100,000. But they're still not, like, 100 to 200, like, not that small. So, and I and I, and I pretty much hand-built. I always say pretty much hand-built because I still go through lineups on, on lineup HQ, on Roto. I still look at projections and do all that type of stuff. And then I look and I go, okay, that makes sense. And then, yeah. And then I, then I use my thumbs and go, let me match that to this. Or I just copy the CSV over or whatever, but it, it's a, it's a much more interesting uh, thought process. I mean, I've said this before to you that, you know, when I play a hundred lineups, I'm like, ah, so I have some Darnell Mooney, right? So, right. so I, I have one lineup with Darnell Mooney in it. And that's what it is. When you're building like 18 lineups, it's kind of like, well, he doesn't make the cut, so just like, yep. like, like, dude, like, do I have Dalvin Cook in this lineup? Yeah, I could play Kadarno Mooney, but he doesn't fit in this lineup, so just screw it. I don't have him. Uh, like, like it, it, yep. it make it makes you really, uh, really. I would say think more about your lineups, but I understand how you could build like one to three lineups and spend like three days thinking about it. Yeah, because those cutoffs are so close and and they, they, you know, they really don't matter like from a, a, you know, does, is this guy a better play? Like how, you know, people will think of like the, the casual player will think about it. That doesn't really matter, but you have to, you know, you have to develop some conviction. So you have to draw a line somewhere over, you know, especially whether it's one team that's obviously incredibly difficult, but even I played five this week, I had some tickets and stuff. And, and the same thing as you, I kind of hated the contest this week, um, so it's it's probably fitting. I got dusted 
uh, that I hated. I hated all the contests. So you got I was, dusted. I oh, I, I was going to come to celebrate because I had five losing weeks in a row, and I finally got <laughs> I made some money. Yeah, well, I, I won. I, I started winning, and the DFS guys realized, like, we can't let this guy get too cocky having multiple, like, winning weeks and winning days. I won in college football. I won, was winning in the NBA preseason. So I'm feeling all great coming into NFL. And, of course, NFL just puts you right right back in your place. I mean, my lineups were horrible. It was never There was never really even, like, a, uh, a chance. But um, I, I kind of hated the contest, too. So I struggled a little bit with the contest selection because it was – Similar, like same thing as you, but the opposite. It was like outside my normal comfort zone. You know, they had the fifteen hundred dollar milli, um, which kind of took the place of like the majority of the high stakes contests. They did have some some other high stakes contests, but I um, I really hated either like the payouts or the size or whatever. And then I was already making multiple. Like I said, I had some tickets, and then I was making multiple for some things like the double spy and the power sweep and some of the five max stuff. And then so I didn't want to. You know, I'm not trying to overextend. I didn't want to start dumping multiple teams into other more higher stakes contests. So it just became kind of a weird week contest wise for me. And I was in a lot of the yeah 1000 to 5000 person contests, which, uh, you know, I, I do play some of that. But I, I, I really try to focus on, you know, as small as I can get 500 and under usually is is really kind of my my sweet spot. So. You know, I, I ended up a little bit out of my comfort zone making, um, you know, five teams and in kind of a little bit different contests. And um, I don't think it really changed that much. For, it changed a little bit, like just the thought process for how I was trying to build things. But I mean, I just got everything wrong. Like it didn't really matter. I, I got everything wrong. Um, well, I was going to say you, that if, that for me, I, I got most of the stuff right. So yeah. we must have done some we must have done some different stuff out there. I think I think. Uh, this past slate uh, highlighted very much that uh, that if, if you're out there, you should never do the late news snooze, mm. right? Because we we had one of those instances, and in, you rarely get you don't get often. You get maybe once a year in NFL crazy, yeah. where we're in an act in a surprise inactive, like really 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 flips its flips the slate on its head, right? Yeah. If you if you if <laughs> if, if, if if we would have known, if, if the if the DFS community, if everyone out there would have known that Ezekiel Elliott would be inactive for this game, Tony Pollard would have been the the chalkiest player on the entire slate. Yep. And he and, and I, I I have it right up here uh, in the main event Millie, which is the fifteen hundred dollar millionaire whatever maker or whatever whatever the big one was on DK with obviously sharper players. I mean Tony Pollard was thirty one point six percent owned. The twenty max three dollar play action nine point five percent owned. Oh my god! That's right, and the absurd. regular millie was twelve percent owned. I mean, like, like it's a matter of if this was if it was Wednesday, like Paul Pollard's forty percent owned everywhere, right? If it Fournette's ownership goes down, and and even even Derrick Henry's ownership goes down, and Kamara's ownership goes because you know what once. Once you take away Ezekiel Elliott and you put Tony Pollard with virtually no backup and you give him 80 plus, 85% of the snaps, which includes like 14% of the targets, they may not be efficient targets from from Dalton as much, but like, and then, I mean, and then in the matchup that they're in, that's not difficult. Like at 5,200, Pollard, Pollard becomes a top point per dollar play on the entire slate. I mean, like, like that that's what ends up happening. I had someone DM me and they were wondering uh 
how I got Pollard into my lineup because the, when they looked, uh, he was only like he was like the seventeenth ranked running back. I said, I don't know what you looked oh. at, but once Ezekiel Elliott was ruled out, like <clears throat> he's the number one running back. Like you, like, like you have to pay attention to this. I mean, especially when we have like, well, he's on a bum leg and maybe he's having calf problems. It does. I mean, even even the tweets on, at midnight. It's like they expect him to play, but you never know. We also had the the Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and Mike Gazicki. They're all inactive. All like basically the top three receipt the target share guys from the Dolphins are gone. So you have to look and go, well, who the hell's catching the ball? <laughs> now, yes, it's a horrible game environment. Like that Patriots Dolphins game was the lowest total and the slowest game. But like every player in that game, like on the Dolphins side, is under four K. So like mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, Lynn Bowden, I guess, is wide receiver one now. I mean, uh, Isaiah Ford's there, and then you have to obviously have Durham Smythe. Like, like Salvin Ahmed, sure, for the running game. But, I mean, like, some someone's getting past like, Something's going to happen. It doesn't make, to me, it didn't make Lynn Bowden to be, like, a screaming value or anything. But, yeah. it obviously, it's someone that I didn't even consider 10 minutes per fever. I mean, I, I, he wasn't even on my radar of, like, I'm not playing any Dolphins this late. And it's like, okay, now I now I have to look at this. So, I mean, this this highlights that, yes, although it doesn't happen often that an inactive changes the slate that much. Because we've seen, is Julio going to play? Is Julio not going to play? Oh, Julio's out. But Ridley's already like 7,800. So, like, like, yes, it bumps his projection up. But, like, like not to that much of, I mean, to an extent where, like, well, he's still 7,800. I mean... Like, he just becomes, oh, now he's better than DeAndre Hopkins versus the other way around type of thing. Uh, and, I mean, I know it feels I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm assuming people that are that are listening to this podcast are on YouTube hitting that thumbs up button and hitting the subscribe and the, the notification bell. Like, no, like, like, know this. Like, an NBA, if, if this was NBA, people wouldn't be, right, but people wouldn't be shocked that 10 minutes before lock, something happens. But I think people get, get, content in that like oh what in like unless there's something that you knew before like it's one of those brandon cooks questionable maybe what it may we'll we'll have to sit like people know to look for that type of stuff and i don't think people knew not enough people at least look to to, to, does that change i mean i built i built my lineups before 11 30 eastern for that and I was playing cheaper running backs. I had lineups with with Leonard Fournette paired with Falcons. I had lineups with uh, like T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman paired with David Johnson at fifty one hundred. Like I was trying to try. I was I I was looking into those those cheaper getting at least one because I wasn't playing Derrick Henry at all. Like I just said no. Nope. I, I I don't play chalk Derrick Henry. It's just it's at ninety five hundred especially. Like get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I just like okay. And I have I have. A lot of Kendrick Bourne as a pivot, uh, as as basically mm-hmm. IU leverage. Uh, so obviously, once Pollard becomes available, like Pollard makes sense in all of those lineups. Like all, like oh, I have David Johnson, Michael Pittman, and uh, and and Brandon Ayuk. So I'm like, well, I already have Ayuk in that lineup. So let me change David <laughs> Johnson into Tony Pollard, and then now Michael Pittman doesn't do anything for me because he's not correlated with any. Like it's just a Lone Michael Pitt. I took I turned like Michael Pittman into Kiki Cutie, 
and then move the defense down or something like that. I, I, do, I do stuff like that. And it turns out David Johnson actually, you know, had a 27-point game. Uh, yeah. Like all of them, like all of them did well. Fournette, you know, got there for his salary on two one-yard touchdowns. <laughs> Pollard got there. I mean, Pollard put up 31 points. So, that, like, yeah, obviously I won Pollard over Fournette. But, I mean, I, I wasn't playing as much of the expensive running backs. I was playing some Jonathan Taylor. You know, I was, I was doing things like that. But, but the Pollard news, like, the Pollard news helped me out almost more than that because it, it, I took out some Jonathan Taylor. I took out some Cam Akers. And Jonathan Taylor put up 19 points or something. But, you know, that wasn't good enough for his salary. Yeah. And, and obviously, Cam Akers got injured and the Rams lost. So that didn't work out. <laughs> so, so like I built, I built lineups. I had one lineup in the power sweep that I was in like, like 48th place with 180, with two players to go and like 20, 20 points to first place. And I have Alvin Kamara and Tyreek Hill in my lineup. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, like I have the chalk running back and I have the, the correlated $8,800 high ceiling player to go yeah. along because that was a lineup that I played the Ryan, Ryan, uh, Ryan Gage Hurst, like I, I played Hurst in the tight end spot, so that means I don't have Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So I played Kamara and Tyreek Hill across from each other. You know, and Pollard's in that lineup with Ayuk. You know, everything. You know, Corey Davis in there because I played a ton of Corey Davis. If I'm going to X out Derrick Henry, I'm going to play some other Titan. Uh, so like to me, my lineups. You could tell my lineups. This is why I had a, a winning week. Now, it, it was it highly profitable. No. But I mean, for the for past five or six weeks, I've been losing. So like, like I'm, I'll, 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 I'll take a grand or two as, as, as profit, right. uh, you know, a little, little, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a little boost, a little, you know, kind of emotional kind of like, okay, you still, you still got it, kid. Yeah. Uh, but what the hell, what the hell did you, if, I mean, it feels like, feels like, like I'm, I'm describing my lineups and it's like, oh, okay. Like everyone kind of did well enough. And like, who the hell did you play? So I'm on the show with with um, Tambo on Sunday morning when, when all this type of news breaks. So I'm trying to think all this stuff through as it's as it's coming in. And I and I'm thinking from the, you know, small field, sharp players, higher stakes stuff. And I'm thinking, OK, this is Tony Pollard like and, 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 you know, not to get narrative E everybody in like those contests. I mean, they freaking love Tony Pollard, right? Everybody hates Zeke. Oh, you know, and they, they use the, oh, my God, they paid Zeke all this money. They have Tony Pollard's the greatest running back ever. So I'm like, okay, Tony Pollard is going to be, and this is just, I think it was like compounding, ended up being like compounding mistakes that I made. And I don't even, I th- I actually don't hate the thought process, but it ended up being mistakes. Like you say it and we've talked about it. Once I saw ownership and all of that. Um, so, so basically I I, I, what I, you're going to get into is kind of what we is very similar to what we talk about on on many of these slates where like where you believe that Pollard was going to actually in the higher stakes stuff going to come in over owned going to come in crazy popular yes all right, right okay what, but and obviously we're on we're kind of on the same page now because I didn't play the play action I didn't play the millie so mm-hmm. like I'm playing contests where you know Pollard is going to you know Pollard was 28% owned 32% owned uh, 
which I still think is, well, personally, I think is still a little too low. Too low. It's too right. low. But, yeah. you, but I'm assuming you expected Pollard in something like the double spy to be 55% owned. Right. And then you get like into the $1,500 milli or like any of that, any of that, the luxury box, any of that kind of stuff. I was thinking, you know, definitely like up there with Kamara. Like everybody would just have those guys. Right. Basically uh, all but, the four net, uh, you know, which I didn't consider to be the greatest of plays to begin with, uh, for a seedling. I thought he was fine for a medium. If you played him in cash and got 14 points, I think, great, but not for first place. But I think that that once Pollard became open, like all those four net lineups. So to me, did did you do that? Did you go, well, everyone's jumping off of four net, let, let me take Fournette or you have no, your mental, but you have your, yeah, you hate Fournette anyway. It doesn't matter. There was no <laughs> chance. I was, there was no chance I was playing Fournette and for the brand. I can't play Fournette. I was talking shit on Fournette all week long about this. This team made this freaking guy inactive the, the week before. So I'm, you know, publicly taking a shit on this guy. I can't come back and then, and, and, and then play him for the brand. Right. So anyway, and I, I just wasn't going to play Fournette. I'm willing to take that L. That's fine. But it's not an L. It's re- it's really, it's not an L. It's a W. Yeah. He got lucky to get two touchdowns. Two one-yard touchdowns. He, he looked, Garrett blounted it up. I mean, like, that, 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 that that's a, that that's a suck out. Tilting. Right. That was way more tilting than the, the, the Pollard thing. Like, I knew Pollard was a good play. Him getting there is, is, is what it is. But the Fournette thing, yeah, that was like, oh, come, I mean, come on. So anyway, Pollard, like, that's how I'm thinking this thing through, right? I actually had all read, like, I obviously liked Ayuk, but I knew Ayuk was going to be really popular too. So, and then we also got that Dolphins news. So I'm like, I, di- I didn't think Lynn Bowden necessarily was going to be like super popular, but he was another like kind of sexy play that, that these people, you know, these young, talented rookies or, or just young players in general. And then, um, you know, they project point per dollar. Well, these guys took the Tony Pollard, the Lynn Bowden's, whatever. Brandon Ayuk's, they get crazy popular in these in these higher stakes. You know, and and, and looking at results DB right now, Bowden did get in the fifteen hundred in the main event, the fifteen hundred dollar main event. He did get up to twenty four percent. So, um, you know, he he ended up becoming like the go to. Manny Sanders was thirty, and he was twenty four. So he became like almost right there with Manny Sanders as like the de facto punt punt wide receiver. So anyway. I'm thinking all this stuff through about what I think my opponents are going to be doing with what has now opened up. Because like you said, you absolutely have to be paying attention to that news. If you're playing in anything, you know, large field, lower dollar, like I don't think you should really should have cared. I mean, obviously, as we saw in the play action, Tony Pollard was 9%. That's maybe the most egregious ownership. Right, right. Uh, let me tell yeah. Let me tell you, if I was playing my normal 100 to 120 lineups, with the slant and the play action, all that type of stuff, I would have I would have had it all entered already in. I would have just redid my CSV and just basically taken Pollard and just say wherever he fits, he fits. And if I get like if I get like eighty two percent of him, then that's then so be it. Then there you go. That that's I'm gonna try to pair basically what I'm gonna what I would try to do is try to pair my Pollard to my Ayuk and Born stuff. You know, try to that as much as possible. So like in order. In an, in an optimizer, at least. Like, if I'm trying to set some of these secondary correlations, it will naturally not give me 100% of Pollard if I set my max on, like, Ayuk and Bourne. Right. And, like, like naturally. Like, I, I still have, would still have Pollard in lineups without them. But based on the set, 
this is this is what I mean by using an optimizer to do the things that you want it to do. And uh, I could just set a max cap on Pollard at eighty percent, but I know I know that with the settings that I currently have in for everything that it's going to naturally, like I'm going to press build and he's going to show up like 70 something percent of the time. And then I have to decide, do I want Pollard in all these lineups? But, but it's one of those types of things in the lower stakes. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again for basketball. If you're playing in the lower stakes and some late news happens that comes out, the better way to judge him when late news exists is after content. Obviously, if you're watching this, this show on YouTube, on the podcast, you tend to consume content. If you if you if you read an article at four o'clock in the afternoon, and then so and so sits at six thirty, like no you, no one mentioned. If you if I went through all the fantasy football podcasts of the past week, right? No one no one mentioned Tony Pollard as a, as a play, right? Right? No, it's not on the top of people's minds even. So it's it's not even a combination of like oh okay Zeke's Zeke's uh, Zeke's inactive oh. And if you're not going to go and check project, like once you check projections, you know, like you don't, you don't even have to, like you don't, if you didn't even know the inactives at all and just said, okay, at 1230, a half an hour before the slate lock, let me just double check and reload wherever your projection source is. If you don't have your own model, right? RG labs, awesome. Oh, it doesn't matter. And then you see, oh, why is Tony, why is Tony Pollard at the top of this? Then, then you could, then you could infer Then, then what, who cares what the reason is? Yeah. Like just just do it. So at the low stakes, I would have I would have slammed him. But I I understand your viewpoint of you you you're treating this as if this news already came out on Wednesday because that's from the ownership perspective, it's going to be more likely at the higher stakes, smaller field contests to be that's what that way. But you you would still agree with me that thirty one percent in the main too event low. millionaire is too low. Yeah. So that, that that's why I said when the news and stuff came out um, and, and honestly with IUK, because I thought that 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 might, you know, uh, boost up a little bit of, of guys like like IUK. Um, so as, so, as well. were you, so I, I, let me let me get this straight, because you thought IUK was chalk and he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's the second highest on uh, wide receiver uh, and Pollard was chalk and they're correlated that the better thing to do is just treat that game like it doesn't exist. Right, and actually, or or, or to play or to play like C- or Cowboy, yeah. right, right, or play Ceedee Lamb and Kendrick Bourne, like do something like that, if anything. Yeah. Which I was prioritizing some other games, and it, uh, getting those secondaries in didn't work. But what did work was playing the defense, playing playing the defenses from that game. So, um, you know, playing a de- like that that was a, a, a conviction, if you will, that I had that clearly was god awful, but. Um, the 49ers. So now you're getting this <clears throat> super chalky running back. The, the the Cowboys like are still bad and still really bad on offense. So have Andy Dalton at quarterback and maybe the worst offensive line in the league. And now you got this running back who I thought was going to be, you know, wildly popular because you know. And just to, to reiterate it, you pretty much broke it down. But like you said, in the play action, in the ten dollar milli, in in all those those contests, the people are not reacting. To this, to this kind of stuff. They not as many, not no one, Sunday. but not as many. Yeah. yeah, not as many. I mean, comparatively, right? 9% of the, the 300,000 people that are in there or whatever have have reacted to this Tony Pollard. Because he was like, you know, 1% or sub sub 1% before the Ezekiel Elliott news. So all that was people reacting late. Comparatively, when you're in this like $1,500 contest, $2,000 contest, and it's smaller field, 
almost all of the field is reacting. Like these are all players that are very serious and very sharp, and they are following this news. And so they do know that Tony Pollard is the, is, is the best play. And especially at running back, um, when you get a cheap running back that, you know, becomes the best screaming value on the slate, everyone typically in those fields does react. And he, the ownership is ginormous. Um, and so I, I believed that everyone would react. Everyone would put Tony Pollard in. And they were already going to be playing Brandon Ayuk. So like you said, that game, you know, and, the, and there were ways to play that game. Like you said, you could play CeeDee Lamb or Amari or Jordan Reed or whatever. And like I considered that a little bit, but it just didn't fit the, the other things that I was trying to do. And so I wanted to kind of bust up, try to bust up that chalk in a very different in a very different way. And defense, like I didn't really like any. I mean, I, I didn't think there was any like defenses that I really cared about. And I, I, I like to attack kind of really contrarian, unique defenses. So I went, I went about it that way and tried to, you know, 49ers defense against Pollard. And then did this, did a similar thing on um, the Patriots were actually the defense I really went after the most. Um, same thing. The, the, the Dolphins were going to be trotting out a JV squad and 25% of the field is going to be playing uh, a wide receiver from that, from that, from that JV squad. And maybe a, a few of the tight ends or something. I don't know. Um, and so I'm just going to take this defense, this, this low owned defense against this, this JV squad. Clearly neither of those things worked. Right. Can, can <laughs> I, can I guess your lineup? I'm going to do a weird sure. thing. I'm, I didn't know what you played. I didn't look at results DB. I don't even know what contest you're in. Okay. Based on, Based on how I how you think, how I know how you also, think. Also, don't look real quick. Don't look because I, I had to make some swaps and the teams got even worse than they. Oh, than okay, they well, were I, I didn't look. I didn't. I never look. Right. I never looked yep. at yours before the show or whatever. Like a lot of times, I'm not looking at the game changer anyway to, to study mm-hmm. anything anyway. So, uh, uh, let me guess. You, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a stab. Okay, you, you played. You played a, a stack of Chicago, Minnesota, with Trub- basically Trub- you did something like Trubisky, Robinson, Komet, and either Cook or Thielen, uh, Dalvin Cook or Thielen, and then for, I don't I don't care how you did it, but you somehow got Godwin into your lineup in some some fashion because that's if I you didn't if, I didn't. But oh I you did, oh okay <laughs> I'm figuring Fournette is chalky and Godwin you're always on Godwin and. Like yeah, this yeah. seemed like a perfect spot against the Falcons to be on Godwin. So okay, so I got half of it right because because I I looked at I, I played out of eighteen lineups. I think I played two Trubisky stacks in in my lineups, yep. and obviously that 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 didn't that it didn't did. that didn't really get there. Oh, it was really it was really fun to start. He was lighting it up. Yeah, I had Allen Robinson. Thielen caught the touchdown. I played Thielen. Thielen caught the touchdown on the first drive. I'm thinking I felt like it. I felt like a genius. And then I don't. <laughs> I don't. Nobody besides David Montgomery and you know. I guess you should have played the two running backs against each other. It was just handoff fest on both on both sides. But yeah, that was my favorite game. That was my favorite uh, uh, stack. So clearly that didn't go well. And then um, I I was which it, it kind of changed obviously as the news and stuff broke. Um, I did I did play like DeAndre Hopkins, but I played DeAndre Hopkins with Miles Sanders. Um, as, Miles as Sanders that. got like all of the work. And did not and scored ten fantasy points. Right, but he had like almost I think he's played almost every snap. Yeah, he was my he was my like big like maybe my biggest conviction of the week was him. Um just because I and again, it changed a, a little bit, but I believe that Jalen Hurts would be the one that would, you know, once we got a little bit more running back value with like Pollard, 
Um, it boosted up like Lamar and Kyler's ownership and Kyler ended up being really popular. So it changed a little bit, but coming into the week, we didn't have, we, even with the saints guys, we didn't have quite that much, that much value. So I kind of thought it would be Hertz would be the one that kind of got elevated. And I really liked just the spot and everything, uh, about Miles Sanders and at the ownership that he was going to come at, but he kind of was a little bit quasi leverage, if you will, because both because of Hertz and coming in again, this, this changed a little bit. But coming in, um, he was right there at the prices with Akers and Jonathan Taylor. And so, you know, he was falling in this no man's land. His quarterback was going to be pretty popular. That game was great. Obviously, he made a secondary correlation with DeAndre Hopkins. So I I really don't even feel necessarily bad about, like, stacking up that Bears game, going with the Miles nuke. The the mistake, though, to me was just, yeah, I was wrong about Tony Pollard ownership. I mean, uh, it's not – I don't mean this to sound bad, like – but it's kind of gave gave my opponents too much too much credit. Um, and but but like the thing is that failed this week, but that has been correct the overwhelming majority of the time. Um, even on like late news, they will they will. I mean, look at Lynn Bowden. There's what was Lynn Bowden's ownership before before that news? And I know it's diff, it's a little different. Two percent, four percent, something. And he got up to, and he got up to like twenty five. And 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 I'm not saying he was a bad play because he wasn't. But Tony Pollard was an infinitely better play than that. So I'm like, okay, if Lynn Bowden's going to get to 25, what the hell is Tony Pollard? What is Tony Pollard going to get to? And you know that that was wrong. And at 30 percent in I, those I, I, contests, I think I think it's not about giving too much credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the fact. I just want to highlight for for the, for the listeners, for the viewers, hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button. Always have to mention that uh, that. Uh, the process in which you evaluated your error was the right way to think about it. Of had I known that Pollard was only going to be thirty-one percent owned, I should have played him. Yeah. But if he came in at sixty percent owned and still put up thirty-one point two points, I'd be sitting here going, "No, I agree with your fate of him. I agree. I, I agree. I, I agree with it." Yeah. Right? He probably. I probably that's if you just like if you if anyone faded Kamara at sixty-seven percent ownership. Like that's that's probably the level where you do it at. The play actually was thirty five percent owned. So that's I mean we talk we've been talking about this all seasons that the contest that you're in really dictate that. But I think that that you're used to it from an NBA perspective because obviously this happens hmm. like ten times, twenty times more often. What happens in NBA? Uh, it it it's really a time period thing. Like if it's really late, I jam. No matter what the news is, I, I just jam it. If it's that, if it's ten minutes, fifteen minutes before lock, I jam it. If it's an hour and a half before lock, then we start. Then, then you start thinking about things. If yeah. it's like four hours before lock, then that's it's, it's typically it's already in content and already in the projection. Like everyone knows this, all right. Like Blake Griffin's out, Giannis is sitting, Kawhi is resting. You know, like the <laughs> like the stuff that we already, even if we didn't know the night before, like we know now, but. Even with the late news within like the hour, uh, so many people at the low, st- this is the difference between low stakes and high stakes. At the high stakes, most people are us- utilizing projections. So it the, the advantage is limited because you're typically looking at the same thing that everyone else is looking at, right? Even if it's 645, it's 15 minutes before lock, you're like, let me update my model. Let me update the projections. Let me look around the industry. What does Basketball Monster have? What does this site have? All, all that type of stuff. And you go, okay, you could tell that, okay, when this guy is out, this guy 
you know, gets a boost type of thing. But a lot of casual players in NBA or bad DFS players, like they, they make the mistake of who's filling in for the guy. And like they're using his usage from the second unit and superimposing it on the first unit. Like, oh, Terrence Ross is going to get a start for the magic out of the blue for instead of Evan Fournier. But it's like, dude, Terrence Ross has a 27% usage rate. Yeah, on the on the on the second team on the yeah. on the, yeah, so but but now he's competing for shots with Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vukovic. He's never on the court with those guys. So people are like, how do I not play Terrence Ross at forty five hundred playing starters minutes? It's like, dude, Terrence Ross plays twenty six to twenty eight minutes as it is as part of the second unit. So now he's playing thirty two. He's playing four more minutes, but his usage is going to now be. 20%? He's not going to be at 27%. So people rush to the replacement and yeah. not like, no, this actually, it, when you take out Fournier and you put in Terrence Ross, like, this is this is a Markel Fultz. Yeah. This is, now you're, you're taking out, a, the, the Ross is going to sit in the corner and take take threes. Like, that's all he's going to do. He's not going to, he's not going to be the usage guy. Vucevic gets a little bit of a boost. Aaron Gordon gets, everyone else, Isaac is getting a boost. Actually, the worst player on the court now is Terrence Ross. Yeah, yet you'll see. That's yet, my favorite situation. Yeah. yeah, but you'll see. But you'll see. But you know. But you know what I'm talking about. You'll go into contests and see Terrence Ross is now thirty six percent owned because he gets a four minute minutes boost. So yes, it raises his projection, but it doesn't make him a scream. It's like people just overreact to that. And then I take a look at this and I go, well, I just everyone's playing this center, and I'm like, I'll just play Nikola Vucevic now at a boosted two point median projection. And and he'll he's he's eleven percent owned when he really he should be twenty five percent owned, and then he had, yeah, puts up fifty six points and people look at me and go, oh that you you did the leverage off of Terrence Ross. It's like I didn't even leverage off of Terrence Ross. I picked the right player based on the news. <laughs> yes. You picked the wrong guy. Yeah, that's my favorite. Is people will call it leverage. So I like I, I definitely like uh, everything that you said. I love then now now who's the guy on the bench. Right. So it, it was like, like DJ Augustine, Michael Carter Williams, whatever, somebody that's like that. Like now who's the guy on the bench? Because Ross isn't there chucking every time down the floor. Now that guy's going to chuck every time down the floor. And he's like 3K, you know. So and like and he's like 5 percent. And like you said, Ross is 40 percent. Like I love I, lo- I love those, those situations are like the absolute NBA DFS dream. So, yeah, my and I will say like that is a lot of my mindset is probably based around NBA because that's where you learn like late swap and manipulating that kind of news. You learn that better in, in NBA. So, um, you know, I don't even know if I, if I misapplied it, it misapplied it this time to this. I don't think you you picked the right, you pick you, everyone was picking the right guy. It just, you thought that more people would do that. I mean, like it's not, it's not a, it's see, it's when, when you take away Ezekiel Elliott, Someone has to play running back. It's not like the NBA where there's some type of usage thing. Like, it's more likely that what I described for NBA is more likely to happen to wide receivers than to running backs. Like, running backs, you play based on opportunity. So, like, even though, like, no one likes David Johnson, once once Duke and Procise are out, it's like, well, he's going to play nearly... Buddy Howell's going to play a couple of snaps and that Phillips guy. But David Johnson is an, is a pass catcher. And he's going to play. I know Watson typically doesn't throw as much to his wide receivers as his running backs, but it's like at 4% owned, 
At four percent owned, I'll take a I'll take a shot on David Johnson at fifty one hundred with ninety five percent of the snaps. So the same thing with running backs with wide receivers. We see this happen, right? With that NBA example with Terrence Ross happens where where uh uh you know we have a we like let's let's take a look at the the Cowboys for his example. I mean, you could make any. Well, I mean, take a look at the Dolphins, right? Gazicki, everyone goes out and it's like, well, Lynn Bowden, he's gonna have thirty two percent of the targets because. It's like, dude, they have other players on the like, like we have that we have the te- look at the Texans. Will Fuller's out. Oh, you got to play Brandon Cooks, and then this Chad Hansen guy comes out of nowhere off the practice squad, and he's getting seven targets for a hundred yards. And you're like, who is this guy? It's like, yeah, because they play. There's still going to be other receivers out there. Just that you can't just take one guy's targets and say it's all going to this guy. Like, like, oh, McLaurin's out. It's all going to Cam Sims. Like, no, they're just going to like Inman's going to be in there. They're going to rotate other receivers in there. You can't just throw all of the targets into one bucket and say that's where it's going to go. Uh, I mean, it's more of a chance that way. You can't just exponentially yeah. multiply their their target share like that. Uh, and I think that that's what I mean by uh, they do. People do it more for wide receivers than for yeah. running backs. But me and you know that, you know, like running back is, is more about volume and opportunity. And that's why, uh, that's why I look at Derrick Henry and go, I'm playing, I'm paying Derrick Henry is probably going to touch the ball 25 or so times in this game. And mm-hmm. probably maybe at most two will be receptions. Yeah. At most, which give you the PPR points, I could find other guys that are going to get twenty five touches for half the price. I mean, yeah, not, not in the best spot or anything like that. So, like, really, you're paying ninety five hundred dollars for Derrick Henry's ceiling, yeah. not not his floor. And when you're paying for a ceiling, that's high variance. And if they're going to be owned, then I mean, you're paying this. You're doing the same thing when you play Dalvin Cook at nine thousand. You're doing you're doing the same thing. Pretty much any running back past like six or seven thousand, everything past that is just his that uh, is touchdown variance and hundred yard bonus variance. Yeah, it's like all touchdown variance pretty much. Up right. There. Like Derrick Henry needs Derrick Henry needs yeah it, it, you know the the big play which people fawn over because he does it more frequently. But like even then it's still touchdowns. Even if he gets tackled inside the five and doesn't score the fifty yard, it's only five. It's only five. It's five points. It's right. It's great. But it's not it's not anything special because you need you're going to need him to do that like eight times to pay off to pay off ten thousand dollars. Right, but a Tony Pollard coming in and getting twenty to twenty two touches, he's fifty two hundred. Like what's there's that like there's not that much difference. Whatever it was, yeah. The thing that I didn't get this late was why was T Y Hilton so owned? Or people just recency buy? It, it I it's this is a guy that at thirty nine hundred, no one wanted to play. <laughs> Thir- right, thirty nine hundred. He's like three percent owned, and and now he's fifty five hundred. And he was like one of the chalkiest wide receivers in cash games. And I'm I'm sitting there going, and I, I'm saying this in my eighteen lineups. I did play two T Y Hilton lineups, but I I didn't play him because I wanted to play T Y Hilton. I was playing Texans, so I was yeah. playing like Watson, Watson, Cooks, Aikens, Hilton. But I played some Pittman because I I saw that that Hilton was going to be owned. So I'm like, well, who's the leverage off of, of, of Hilton? Obviously, so he's a, obviously Pascal was the right answer, but uh, I played yeah, yeah. That, that's the hard part with the Colts, right? It's just like, T.Y. is the guy that you feel most comfortable about stealing. So if you're correlating, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that makes sense. But 
that they're so they're so difficult. But Ty is like the an, the, the the anti like Pollard thing. So like if you go the higher the stakes you go up, people think like you, and they're like, well, you know. And honestly, eighteen percent. I, I don't really know why he was even eighteen percent, but um, you know, it's that's ten percent lower than than the play action. You know, he's twenty eight percent in the play action and eighteen percent in the fifteen hundred. So like. He's like the and like the, the the opposite. People people were like, oh, early in the week, Tony uh, T Y Hilton, you know, fifty five hundred. He's 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 turned it around, right? Yeah, and it's the Texans. Everybody crushes the Texans. Oh yeah, and the narrative. Oh yeah, the Texans narrative. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, T Y <laughs> is a lock against the Texans, right? He sucks against everybody else. Doesn't matter how old he gets to be, forty years old, putting up thirty DraftKings points against the Texans. Just ask everybody, but. Like, yeah, the, the T.Y. Hilton thing, <clears throat> I don't get – that was probably the most confu- – well, I, I, the Pollard ownership was the most confusing to me. I, like I said, I just thought it was – I don't know how – like he didn't become become higher owned, but, but you know, he, he didn't. And then I also thought, what did you think about um, like Cam Akers and, and Jonathan Taylor? Cam Akers I thought was interesting because he got so much hype all week long. Do you think he was one that – it was just because, um, you know, obviously the, the Pollard thing – but even Acres, like in the three dollar, where um, Pollard didn't get super popular, Acres was eighteen percent, which is pretty owned. But um, I don't know. I, I thought Acres would be pretty darn popular, and he, he was actually pretty low owned uh, at, at higher stakes. So no, that, that's I, why I, I played actually, him. I played him in a couple yeah, of lineups because I, I figured with the Pollard news, with basically Pollard, Camaro, like like just who's who loses out here, and like I played Jonathan Taylor because I played. Like three Watson stacks, so I mean, I had Jonathan Taylor in those, and I had Cam Akers, and I, of course, I, I'm going to take a shot of Denzel Mims, and and just I'll just I have Mims. to redact yep. him from my model or something in order to not do Mims that. Uh, but I mean, I didn't play a. Bu- I mean, I was I was geared more towards uh, what I was doing, which is what I typically don't do when I build like a lot of lineups because it's very hard to do so like at the same time in an optimizer. Like I played, I played naked Lamar. I played naked Kyler, and I played naked Jalen Hurts because I my truthfully my favorite game. If I had to pick a game that I wanted, it was the Cardinals Eagles game. Mm-hmm. The problem was is that like outside of Hopkins, like who do you like? No one projects well. Like you have the quarterbacks projecting extremely well, and Hopkins projecting extremely well, and then it's like like who. Uh, Greg Ward, I don't know, uh, Goddard, Rager, who do I take on the Eagles? And then you look and you go, can I get away with Christian Kirk? And you go, maybe I could get away with Christian Kirk. He doesn't even project well. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking around and, and I'm in my head based on, based on my projections, uh, the, the quarterbacks that had the, the highest shot of being the top QB one on the slate was Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. So like, I'm looking at that going, well, why am I pl- like I'm playing a Trubisky stack? I'm playing Watson. I'm playing Philip Rivers in one lineup. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why can't I just play the same game that, that I'm playing a, a two plus one, right? So I'm just playing a wide receiver and an opposing wide receiver. So why don't I instead of playing uh, Brandon Cooks and and Michael Pittman with Watson, why don't I just put Jalen Hurts there and just be like. Well, the Eagles get there, but no one, but, and then my tight end spot, I go, maybe I could put Goddard there. And then I put Goddard there and then that doesn't match up with anyone. And then it becomes, becomes a mess. Uh, and then Murray's also, you know, he's expensive and Hopkins is very expensive. 
So I'm like, I can play, why can't I play Kyler Murray in a Falcon stack instead of playing Hopkins, I'm playing Ridley. Like what make what makes it that I can't do that with a quarterback that could rush into two touchdowns? So when you're hand building like that, it's 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 so much easier to see. And I'll I could still make naked quarterback type lineups in in lineup HQ. I just tend to lean away from it because um, many slates it's not optimal to do that. You'd rather have the correlation. The difference between the lineups, you're not getting enough median. Like you're not like I'm I'm running through lineup HQ with with no settings in the beginning, but I just to do research. And I'm seeing so many naked Hurts, naked Murray, naked Lamar lineups yep. that, like, in order for me to get Goddard in this Hurts lineup, I have to sacrifice, like, two points. Just to get Goddard in for the court. Like, then why, do I, why am I bothering? To get Hopkins in this lineup, like, do I have to sacrifice? Like, what am I sacrificing? Hopkins at least projected well. Lamar, I have to put Andrews in at 5,500 to correlate. And these lineups are showing up, you know, three three points below the baseline median. I'm like... Do I need, I, I could have a better lineup without Mark Andrews in it with Lamar than with Mark Andrews. So why, so I'm just build. I, so I started building lineups like that. I started going, okay, let me build a lineup without any of these three quarterbacks. Build the lineup as if I was just, that game didn't exist. And then let's see if I could just switch the quarterback, right? Because I wasn't necessarily playing like three plus ones, like those types. It was always just mm-hmm. one skinny stack type of lineups. Yeah. So then I saw that, it, like, out of my 18, I think I have three or four with naked, just, it looks like a normal lineup, just, it's now, now it's, and, and instead of Deshaun Watson, it's now Kyler Murray up there, right? It's a $200 difference, and I still have Kiki QT, and, and, and my, I still have that pseudo stack in there, just, I have the higher scoring quarterback from the other game. Yeah, it was interesting, because I was kind of planning around very similar to what you did. I was playing Trubisky, I just, I let, you know that failed, but I, I was outside of Trubisky lineups. Um, I, I was like everyone was, but I was heavy saints chiefs. I just, which also clearly was a massive whiff, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised with you because you've, you, I, you, I, I guess you had to go somewhere. Cause I mean, the saints guys were all chalky. Yeah. So, but I was going like Camaro was Camaro was like what Pollard should have been the, the, unfadable running back for me. Plus I did really like basically all of the afternoon games. So I did want to keep it outside of my Trubisky stacks. Obviously I wanted to keep as much of that flexibility to kind of see where things were um, going into to the afternoon. Like, okay, everybody busted. You know, if I want to play Manny Sanders, I'll play Manny Sanders. I, I was mostly on Traquan and I, I I'm, I'm, this is also uh, sometimes when you uh, get stubborn and it burns you. Traquan was, you know, projecting lower owned, uh, like much, much lower owned than like Manny Sanders and all these other wide receivers. And so he, like Traquan was actually my favorite like guy in that game. He allowed me to get, do you want Tyreek? Got him. Do you want DeAndre Hopkins? Got him. Do you want Kamara, Kelsey, whatever? You know, Traquan was a um, right, and it also kind of path that it also helped and, you. Like Traquan, I, no, I I thought the same way because Traquan's ownership would go down with the Lynn Bowden news. <clears throat> Right, exactly. because now, now exactly. at thirty six hundred, because you already had Gallup, people were playing Gallup in that range, right? People were already playing, you know, obviously Sanders. Uh, you know, there were other like once once Lynn Bowden starts getting, you know, twenty percent ownership, it has to come out of some cheap receiver, and it's most likely going to come out of of Traquan Smith. So, like, no, right. I get because it. people are people are already playing Manny Sanders, so now Traquan gets down because they have an alternative to him at cheap. So anyway. 
it, you know, everything got all sorts of screwed up once the afternoon came around and I was drawing dead. But I, I like I just didn't see a path, which clearly I didn't see the the game playing out like it did, in which like all these saints didn't like I, I couldn't see a path in which Traquan, Manny, Kamara, Latavius, Cook, I, I, like how multiple of these guys didn't didn't like pop. And none of them, <laughs> literally, literally the, the path is that Drew Brees is, it's a, it's tent time for Drew Brees. We need, I think it's go back to taste some time, but, um, but it allowed, but, but what it allowed me to do was get all the other like secondaries that I wanted. I could get Hopkins and Sanders. Like that was like a, a priority for me was playing DeAndre Hopkins and, and Sanders. And then if I wanted to play Jared Cook instead of Kelsey in like stacks of that game anyway, I, but what I was planning to do was playing like Jalen Hurts or Kyler and then also kind of stacking up that Saints game because then, you know, I don't need Breeze and Mahomes is expensive. I don't need Mahomes to stack that game up. Um, and then I ended up, you know, <laughs> I ended up playing mostly Drew Breeze over Jalen Hurts because I thought Breeze would be the guy that's 2% and I believed Hurts would, would be higher and they ended up like in the 1500, almost the same. So just another horrible mistake. But um you know, I was I was grasping at any any way to make up some ground on on the field by the time the afternoon games came around. Um, I did consider. Did you did you, I don't know if you had any teams that were dead at all. But one thing that um, I feel like I might have whiffed on was considering like that Rams that Rams stack once I was drawing dead. No, I I, I, totally... play, I played two Rams stacks as I play. I played like golf, golf, uh, Higby Woods. Like yeah. that type, like as as a way to get away from Acres, like mm-hmm. if Acres, like like I'm, I I like the I thought the Rams would be underowned. Same. It was one of those things that the team that's facing the Jets, people don't want to play for whatever reason, and then they come in and they blow them out forty eight points or something. <laughs> so like I I didn't mind Woods, I didn't mind I didn't mind Acres, I didn't mind Higby, Cup a little less so. I thought Woods was projected higher than than. I thought Woods was better leverage off of Acres also because Woods gets those jet sweep type of rushes yep. type of things. So I don't know. Uh, I just thought the Rams were under on, but I mean, I, the stacks did not project well. <clears throat> like the problem, the problem with the, the, the Rams was like, based on my projections, like once I compound them together and then once I throw Denzel Mims on the other side or something like that, like the, the, the line, like in order for that lineup to, to project well, I need to jam in basically Kamara Pollard, Emmanuel said, like, I have to jam in all the chalk in order to get that meeting up anyway. So, like, I thought of it more as, uh, as like, I pivoted off or playing Woods as a one-off. Like, like, like I played Wood, like, in a spot, because Woods was 6,800 and Akers was 6,600. So, essentially, in my flex, it's like, oh, this is where Akers would be in someone else's lineup. I'm playing Robert Woods because Robert Woods is going to be lower-owned. And Robert, Robert Woods was 5% owned in the main event Millie and... 8% of the play action. So I was, I was right on that. And obviously mm-hmm. Woods had a, had a better game. I mean, Woods had a better game than Kamara, right? You should have switched, <laughs> you switch him out. I mean, I should have yeah. played little Jordan Humphrey. I don't even know who that guy was. Yeah. <laughs> all I, all I'm looking at is like, okay, Latavius Murray is catching the pass that Kamara should be catching on that screen and getting a touchdown. Then Taysom Hill uh, doesn't get in the first time. And I'm like, okay, this is this. Now let's get a real person to get a touchdown. Nope. They just rush at him again. And then, Oh, Oh, Saints got a touchdown. Oh, little, who's little Jordan Humphrey. <laughs> Who are they putting on the field now? But in, in hindsight, 
it's we played the Saints and Showdown often enough. They're on yeah. primetime games that we should know that, oh, well, Breeze is in. That means everyone does well now. No, no, Breeze is in. That means like eight people could get the ball. Like yeah. it's, it's it could, uh, to, you could say whatever you want about Breeze. He had a horrible game. He completed like, like what, to like 30% of his passes. But from, from a intelligence perspective, like Breeze is one of those quarterbacks, same for Rivers. I think a lot of people look at these older quarterbacks and go, well, they can't throw the ball down the field. Like you're right. But when you have to, re- when you view the receivers though, these, these are, these are quarterbacks that given enough time in the pocket, they'll go and go through four or five reads. <clears throat> like it's the younger guys where it's like, if the first read's not there, I'm chucking the ball. Like it's like, there's no, it's like first read dump off. Like you get one of those, like it's like, if you're the third receiver for a young quarterback or something like that, a lot of times you're you're out doing wind sprints because yeah. because they're they're not getting to you with because they're they have to react to a line movement and they have to scramble out of the pocket and stuff like that. So I mean, we take a look at the Saints. I mean, take a look at the teams that, that look. I think I made made a revelation. I, I maybe I didn't. Maybe everyone knew this, and I, I just came, <laughs> came to my came to my attention now. Look at all the teams that we tilt over, not knowing the distribution of targets. Philip Rivers, Tom Brady. Drew Brees, like it's all older quarterbacks. It's all yep. very experienced potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks because it doesn't matter. Like, so what? Michael Thomas isn't open. I'll find the open guy. Like, like it. Like, I don't have to go to my first read. I could audible out. I could do all this type of stuff. And then you take a look at like uh, uh, the young quarterbacks and go, well, Dwayne Haskins is in. That means Terry McLaurin's going nuts because. <laughs> Because like he looks for McLaurin and if that's it, then that's like that's the first read and that and you're done. Like that type of thing. Uh I yeah. mean they're not they're not good throws or anything. <laughs> uh right? You have to deal with that. Uh so yeah, like the the shittier quarterbacks tend to lean on Trubisky's more inclined to lean on Allen Robinson mm-hmm. than like if they had an, a, a better quarterback, like Maybe Darnell Moody and Al and Anthony Miller and all the, all those guys would actually have value, uh, unless you have unless you have top wide receivers. I mean, then then you have the Cowboys, which is seemingly like the opposite. Like you have great wide receivers and no one to throw the ball. Yes, yeah. So I I think it was there was like I I, I sat back and you know thought about it as I'm as I have zero dollar currently winnings on Sunday afternoon and I was like. There's a, you know, I, I think in general, actually, like I had to make some really crappy swaps and stuff. So you, I'm not really evaluating that. But like going in, I was like, okay, look, I know that the Trubisky thing was bad, but I, I'm still okay with playing that. And then came in with like, okay, I have my theories on how the ownership is going to break out. And I have my favorite kind of secondaries and I have my favorite main stacks. And I liked your concept of like dropping in Jalen Hurts. Like if I need a cheaper guy, I can drop in Jalen Hurts. Or I can play Kyler if I want to play Kyler with Nuke, whatever. Or you can play Lamar, like using that quarterback position kind of interchangeably, depending on what price I need, and dropping in that runner into that into that lineup um, and playing whatever your your kind of favorite favorite stacks were. And um, I actually feel like that plan was that plan was fine. That plan didn't work. I mean, oh my god, the the, the like the the winning lineups were were pretty wild uh, this week. So I don't think I was ever going to get there. Like, oh, it was. Shout out to I'm not trying to throw throw shade. Shout out to Chop, you know, having the the absolute stone cold nuts on 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 FanDuel and, and winning another million. But like like 
I, I could never in like five teams find that team. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even saying it was a bad lineup, but I could never find that team. But he had naked hurts. You know, and he he just he just found all. Well, well I mean, I mean, he had Hopkins in there, so like I played Hurts with Hopkins, yeah. so that that technically is a right, and that's, that's what I was going to correlation. Do, yeah. So, yeah, I also I but, also I also want to highlight. I said this on the morning grind uh, with Stevie on RG. If if you subscribe to that, also because uh, I I do the review podcast every every Monday. Uh, that the the benefits of correlation on Fanduel are so much lower than on DraftKings. Yeah. So, like, when people are like, oh, it's on the car. Where's the correlation? Oh, you're going to bet. Like, like, dude, on FanDuel, I, com- you combine the soft pricing, right? Because now you have soft pricing, which means you'll have, like, 20 players that are all, like, great projected. Like, mm-hmm. like everyone's projected well. And then the correlation doesn't matter. So, like, I brought up the fact that, like, like if you played a falcons Buck stack, I said this on the morning grind, and you played Ryan Ridley-Gage-Evans, which would have been the nuts three plus one from that game on DK. You get 103.7 points on FanDuel. You get 84.2. It's like a 20 point difference because you're not getting, you're not getting the full point PPR and you're not getting the bonuses. So like in that stack, there's three bonuses in that stack, the quarterback that Ridley's bonus, Evans bonus and Ridley had 10 catches gauge had five and Evans had six. So that's another 10 and a half points that you don't get on FanDuel. So the benefits of correlation on FanDuel are, are if I, I mean, I don't play much on FanDuel. I don't play any GPPs this whole year on FanDuel. I, the reason I play on DraftKings is because stuff like correlation and leverage matters more on DraftKings. And that suits my, my strengths. FanDuel, exactly. right. Even for NBA, for a lot of the, the sports with the soft pricing and the scoring system differences is that, like it's jamming in the best plays is more is more likely to work because of the because because the way everything's set up and more more people do that so like that's so like when it comes comes to that like can you find the eight one offset well yeah I mean you can you can build enough good I, I always describe FanDuel as uh you could build you could probably build a hundred lineups that are within two points of one another. Because the pricing is so soft, like the, between the projections, like I could build a hundred lineups, correlation or not correlation, that are all within two two median. Po- I mean, like just like so so little different uh, on DraftKings, like that two point. That's like your first twenty line. That's it. Like now you're starting to get into three points away, four points away, five points away. So that's when, in order to make up the difference of being five points off the median. You need to add correlation. You need to add right. something to increase your variance yep. like that. So on FanDuel, since I could build 150 lineups that I'm not sacrificing all that much median, which means that if I'm taking a guy out and I'm going to be five points behind just to get the correlation, I'm actually I'm actually hurting myself too much. Mm. If the pricing got sharper on, if it got tighter on FanDuel, it would now now it would make somewhat more of a difference. If the scoring system had bonuses, now nah, it would make it more of a difference. So, like, I look at Chop's lineup, and yeah, like, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like much correlation there. It's, well, it's FanDuel. You don't, like, you you, you don't need it. You, I mean, you never need it. Like, it's not like, a oh, I correlate all my lineups with this correlation, a secondary one, and this one. Like, all that's doing is increasing your variance. It's not increasing your score. It depends on what happens in the games, and anyone could go off at any time. I played DeAndre Swift instead of Marvin Jones. Oh, like, like I did that. So, so I just want I just want to highlight that 
Like it's play using correlation and leverage alongside projection. It's still at the end of the day, projection. If you're going to call, I'm going to correlate my lineup, Eric. Okay. I'm going to, this is going to be an awesome lineup. I'm going to play Tua with Bowden and Durham Smythe and run that back with Sony Michelle. And then I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play Jalen Rager on one side and Larry Fitzgerald on the other side of that game. Like, do you see, do you see what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, you're right. The lineup is correlated. If if you actually looked at your projections, that lineup has a projection that's like 40 points below like your, your cash lineup. I mean, like, like those players, the the individual, those players don't project well. Like none, none of what you're putting in even projects well. So yes, they're correlated, but can you make up 40 median points? Just on no, the correlation doesn't work. That I mean, we're talking about a boost of five or ten percent every time. Right. That's right. Like like a quarterback wide receiver is the highest correlation, mm-hmm. and that's like and how does that if, if you get a touch like the difference between like Ryan put up thirty points on DK Ridley put up thirty five points and they share like a total of twelve points, like between the yardage and the bonuses and everything like that. But a median lineup in NFL is one hundred and fifty points. So like. That's less than 10 per, that's what, eight, 7%. So yes, 7% of your overall score will come out of correlation. But I mean, a winning score in GPP is like 220. So what is 12 points? At, that's what, 5%, 4%. So yeah. by adding the correlation, you're now boosting your overall score, potential, potential, by as much, as much as 5%. And every, the secondary correlation, maybe 3%. Another another running back defense correlation, which doesn't matter all that much, maybe 1%. So you're giving yourself like a little, you're increasing your variance of your lineup by 8, 8%, maybe 10%. You're double stacking. You're running it back, right? Your potential, that's like, that's that's the that's the one st- standard deviation outcome. So in a, in a lineup that could potentially score 200, up to 20 points could come out of your correlation. Up right. to, up to, right? Like the average of that, maybe seven. So when people are like, they, they, they're jamming in like, oh, I got to correlate all my lineups. I go, no, I don't correlate all my lineups. They go, Why? but you're the one that talks about correlation all the time. It's like, yes, in relation to their projection, the full lineup and the, and same thing for leverage. When you hear it all the time, uh, by just normal content people, like you don't have to play like eight, 2% on guys in your lineup, right? Like that's just too much like. Obviously, they're 2% on for a reason. They don't project well. So by playing eight of them in your lineup, like you're doing the same thing as over-correlating. You're, yes, my communal of ownership is 40%. My projection is also 50 points lower than everyone else's. And I'm going to just make it up with relative value. Like that, you're not going to make up that many, that many points by I've, playing I've actually found that, 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 that subject is really interesting to me because I've actually found my best teams are, or when I do the best, or when I end up with eight, five to fifteen percent own guys. I don't. I'm not going because they typically, not always, right? You, caveats. Typically, those like five to fifteen percent guys, they actually do project well. Right. They're what they're, they're and they're big enough. They're, they're, yeah, it's good enough. You know, they're not the fifty percent. They don't project as well as the fifty percent own guys, but they project well enough. Right. Let's call it Miles Sanders this week. Right. Well, he, Miles he Sanders well. didn't for Dan. 
Whatever. I liked him. Right. You like just guy. say you liked him. Just say you had a hunch. That's fine. He just he just came to he just came he just happened to 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 come to what about David Johnson? Can I say No, David don't Johnson? David Johnson actually okay. projected halfway decently. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Because I like David Johnson too. David Johnson projects pretty well. He's five percent compared to whatever Pollard's 30 percent. But he projects pretty well. And then you start to add on all that relative value, uh, relative value, and the correlation right. boost, and all. Well, and look all at that David kind of Montgomery. Stuff. David Montgomery was in. He was on my radar. He just didn't make. He didn't yep. make the cut. Yep. Like David Montgomery did not project poorly for seven thousand. Right. And if you played him, you got rewarded. So, uh, but the the overall point that I'm making is that the I always describe them as levers, projection, correlation, and leverage. That it's. It's not a matter of like, well, I pulled a correlation leverage. Where's my money? I pulled a leverage lever. Where's my money? Like it's like it's a balance of how much projection are you willing to sacrifice for increased variance, right? Increased leverage is more about, you know, uh, leapfrogging relative value wise on the leaderboard. Correlation Mm -hmm. is more about when one event happens, another event happens. More likely to happen. Like that's a better way of putting it. But it still comes down to that you have projections that are a normal distribution, a range of outcomes. You're looking at a median. And it's like, how much how much projection am I willing to give up for these other things? In a perfect world, it would be zero. Yeah. But you can but that, that never happened. I mean, you can't you you're rarely ever gonna find you're not gonna find that. Like if you build your cash lineup with your top optimal from your projections, like that's that you can't beat that lineup from a median perspective. Of course, that lineup has no, typically has no relative value and no correlation and quite possibly duplicated in, in a contest <laughs> because, you know, it's it's so highly owned uh, in that combination because it's a double up lineup. Uh, you don't play it. So you're like, okay, let's, let's I'm going to play that lineup, but switch one guy. It's like, well, that, that in and of itself, like you're still sharing players with way too many people. Like, yeah, you gave up 0.2 in projection. To get that difference. And that's about as much difference as you're getting. So now you have to think in terms of how much more am I willing to give up? And then people DM me and they go, well, what's the ma- most amount that you could give up? Well, there's no specific number. It, it it all depends on the contest. This week, for instance, I, I, my, my cash lineup had like a median in my projection. It, it, the, the numbers don't matter. They're all, you have to find your baseline based on your projections. Cause if I project, if I project, uh, Tony Pollard five points more than you do. Like my my top lineup is going to be much higher than yours in a number, right. but you just have to. What's the top number in your model? The top numbers in your model is one forty eight, and mine's one fifty eight. Like that doesn't mean anything. It's just like like that you're just doing lineups in relation to one another. Mm-hmm. So like my t- the top lineup in, in in my model was like one fifty five, uh, for like my cash lineup. So. Like if I'm playing like the Millie Maker, you may be willing to give up twenty median points. You may, you may. I mean, you if to get super leverage, super contrarian correlation, because you're playing, you're playing for a million bucks. But this this week, I was look. I when I was going through lineups and running through iterations, like my basically, I I said to myself like any lineup that's like like below one forty five, like I'm almost not going to consider. Because I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing a thousand man power sweep. I'm playing, you know, a four thousand man red zone. I mean, like I'm not playing the slant with sixty five thousand people in it, with yeah. entries into it. So, like I, that's why I'm going to. I, I go through those just to see who to get rid of, 
Like I'm like yeah. like lever like to me I found the leverage of De- uh, Ryan Tannehill. Like Ryan Tannehill plus Corey Davis, you know, doing that type of stack with DeAndre Swift. Like that's that's what I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. Uh Tannehill didn't project all that well. AJ Brown didn't project well at all. Uh right. John o. Smith wasn't really that viable. Swift didn't project. I mean, he was okay. Marvin Jones was okay. And I just, I started running through lineups and like all my, all these Tannehill lineups are showing up at like 142, 144, 140. Like no matter, I could jam in all the time. I could jam in Kamara. Obviously I didn't have Pollard available to me at the point I was doing this, Uh, but I was just jamming and stuff. And I'm like, like, I can't, I'm not playing Derrick Henry. And I'm just like, all these lineups are just showing up too low in comparison to my naked Hurts, naked Murray. Like those lineups are showing up 148, 149, 150. And I'm like, is it worth, is this leverage worth me playing Ryan Tannehill? And I decided not. I, it made more sense to plug. It was a higher projected lineup if I took Jalen Hurts and put him in Ryan Tannehill's spot and still play Corey <laughs> Davis and DeAndre Swift. So, right. so that, that, that made my decision that I looked, I just, I'm running through 300 lineups. I'm just iterating going, okay, let me run it this way. Let me run it this way. I know I'm not taking the CSV. I'm not putting it in. I'm not building a hundred lineups. I'm using, I'm using the optimizer as a tool for research mm-hmm. going, let's say, okay, I want to play Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk uh, projected poorly in my projections. So I'm like, I want to see if I could play a Murray Kirk goddard build right yep something like that so i lock them all in and i run 300 lineups and i see what comes up on top and i go okay well i'm fading derrick henry so i'm not going to play this top lineup and then i now i click on derrick henry i go let me see my the first lineup without derrick henry and i take a look at that lineup and i go like I'm going to be playing chalk. In order to play this lineup, I need to play chalk Kamara, chalk Sanders, chalk Ayuk, Leonard Fournette. And I go like, I'm not getting enough leverage now. Like this lineup is just not getting enough leverage because Kyler's going to be popular. I mean, like uh, Jalen, all, all these guys are going to be popular. So I'm like, okay, let me now take out Goddard and, and run it with just, let me just run Christian Kirk as a secondary core. Like, let me run Kirk with Hertz and do that and go, okay, can I get that? And then I ran that. And then I still see like in order to play Christian Kirk at his projection, I need to play like got like Derek Henry and Emmanuel said, like I had to play the higher projected, higher own guys. And I had to think to myself, is Christian Kirk worth playing yeah. by himself like that? And I said, no, but he's worth it in a Kyler Murray stack. Like once I put Murray Kirk and no Goddard, because Goddard didn't project well enough. Because now in the tight end spot, I could put in Travis Kelsey and get my projection way up. And there were chief enough wide receivers that I could play Kelsey in that yep. lineup. So that once I saw Murray Kirk and because Kirk was like on a salary adjusted value, he was like in a, as a plus minus. Labs does this as well as RG. They show the RGV, which is the plus or minus expected points based on their salary adjusted value. Christian Kirk was like minus three which typically I don't play players at minus three. The only time that I will is if I could play them in a lineup correlatively because I'm going to make up those three points through correlation. So the only way I can play Christian Kirk is if I play him with Kyler Murray. So I, I lock them in without Goddard now, and I run it, and 
I see some lineups at like 147, 148. And I'm like, I think some of the, I think this could be doable. I don't like it as much because I'm I think I'm giving up a little too much projection. But I I I, I like that game. I want I wanted I'll, I'm like, yes, I if I plugged in Hopkins, those lineups came in at 150, 151. I'm like, I'm good with the, I have that. But also that's that's gonna be the popular way to build that game. Uh so let me if Hopkins fails, who succeeds? Christian Kirk. And if Christian Kirk succeeds and Hopkins fails, maybe it's because Murray has rushed it in twice. Run. Right. Yep. So like so now even though Christian Kirk projects poorly, I've now built the lineup that has enough median for the contest that I'm in. Like I wouldn't mind Christian Kirk in a in a lineup with a median of one forty seven if I was playing the slant. Yeah. Like, like I, I didn't mind, but I know I'm playing, I'm playing a thousand to four thousand entry. Like, I don't, I don't need to sacrifice that much. Did I could, I could get unique enough. I had lineups that, I had line, lineups that are seventy five cumulative ownership. I mean, like, in the in, in a four thousand person contest. I mean, I'm fine. Once I fade Henry in a lineup, I'm fading Kamara in a lineup. I mean, like, like I'm good. Like this, that. Yep. Right. If I'm not playing Kamara, I'm playing Jared Cook. If I'm not playing Kamara, I'm playing Emmanuel Sanders. Right. If I'm not playing Kelsey, I'm playing Hill. You know, I'm like, I'm mixing that up and, and I'm already unique enough. I mean, I'm already, I'm sitting there with, you know, 70, 80% communal of ownership. Like that's, that's well more than enough. I could be even chalkier in those types of contests. So, so this is what, this is, this is what I mean. This, this, if you, if you go through the course, it doesn't get this granular. This, this, maybe I'm going to save this for the advanced course or something. But this is the way to use, use the tools, because that's the concept. The, the, the overall concept, when it comes to lineup building for GPPs, can I get a lineup that's that's as good as my cash lineup that's lower owned? And how much lower owned can I like? Because your cash lineup is typically going to be the highest median. Li- I mean, the the one that maximizes for median, not you know not ceiling and floor outcomes. So can you get? Can I get? If the top lineup in NBA today or whatever, tomorrow, if you're playing, and I go through my projections and the medians of all, everything in my projections adds up to 280, right? I'm, I'm Now for GPP, I'm looking, can I find lineups that are close to 280 that have half the ownership in the lineups, right? And on slates where there's not like mega chalk because there's no like one, two projected players that are just like, like you got to jam these guys in. You'll find that more often because, like, people gravitate towards uh, a player that's like a half a point higher projected, and like that's the value play of the slate. And it's like, no, like the difference between this guy and the next two guys is not all that much. And this guy's going to be thirty percent on the other guy's going to be ten percent on. And then you go through your 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 model and you go, wow, the top meaning is two eighty, and I could find a lineup that is half his own for two seventy seven. And you're like, am I willing to give up three points in basketball? Yeah, of course I am. Three points in a in a game where I mean you're gonna score three hundred points in your lineup. I mean, that's like one percent of your score. So yeah, obviously. Let me start banging these lineups into contests. I mean, but that's mathematically, that is what that is what you're doing. And the play and this is what I mean by lineups, not players. Because I, I, I posed this question. I, I was in the RG Discord last night explaining this in, in, in the NFL channel because people were asking questions. Uh, I just said, it, if you have two lineups and you have, they, they both have, uh, you know, in football, 155 total median and a second lineup, well, 155 total median. The first lineup has 
120% communal of ownership. Second lineup is 60% communal of ownership. Which one do you take? Right, the second one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they get it. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. Obviously, the, there are nuances to these numbers. Every yeah. player has a different standard deviation. Communal of ownership is not like the best judge. Like, because the, obviously the sum, the, the product matters because you could have high owned players and then a 1% owned player. So, right, right, right. like, it's a blunt tool. I'm, I always say this, like, and I don't want to explain the nuance in it first. I want you to get the overall concept first. So, but that wasn't the important question, like, of the ownership, like, the difference of the line, the two lineups. And I asked, I said, uh, did I have to tell you what players are in those lineups? He goes, no. He said, would, would it matter to you? If I never told you who the players are in those lineups, you're still taking the lineup B. And he goes, yes. Okay, okay, lineups, not players. Like what? So, so as long as there's no players in there that are probably negatively correlated, I probably, that limits my ceiling of that lineup. But outside of that, like what, I said, I said those lineups could, could possibly share six players in them. They most yeah, likely true. do. Actually, they probably most likely do. If it's a nine-person lineup, they probably share six or seven players because they're the yeah. highest projected players. Same projection, yeah. Right. right, right, obviously. But, like, now once you get into, like, what's the difference between a lineup that's at 155 and a lineup that's 153? Like, once you move it down two points, the difference between those two lineups could be, like, could be six players. They could share, like, two or three and then six completely different players from one another. And the lineup only has a two-point less median. So if I gave you the choice of, if I could find lineups like that for you to play in large field GPPs, I mean, even smaller field for that for that difference, uh, mm-hmm. would you take them? Like, the answer should be yes. And, you're, and the answer should be yes, and I don't even care what the players are. Right? Because you're, you're viewing it at... So when people think in terms... I mean, to, to me, this, this, is, this, is, this is very basic stuff. So sometimes, sometimes me and you, Eric, we talk a little bit, of maybe past some of the audience, and sometimes, sometimes the audience is smart, and they're like, "Why are you guys talking about this? We all know this." I mean, yeah, you idiots, right? Yeah, exactly. Idiots. Yeah. But there, there are new people that show up and go, "I want, I want to learn." Uh, thinking in terms of, uh, do you play Derrick Henry at thirty percent owned? And thinking about it that way is the wrong way to think about it. Mm-hmm. You could play Derrick Henry. In, in, in a lineup, in a small field or large field GPP, you could not play him. You could probably find lineups that are hundred five points off the top median that have Henry in it and ones that don't have Henry in it, right? There are, there are ones that are high owned. There are ones that are low owned. Can you find a low enough owned lineup with a high enough projection that has Derrick Henry in it? Then play him. Can you find ones that, the same, same vector that don't have Derrick Henry in it? Well, technically, if... If it if in a utopian, if everything mathematically worked out and both lineups had the same probability of, of, of winning and the same median, the same ceiling, the same everything, same ownership, the same contest you're playing, they both have the same expected value. So like you'd look at the lineup and go, this lineup has Derrick Henry. This lineup doesn't have Derrick Henry. They both have the same expectation. So when you're thinking in terms of do I play Henry or do I not play Henry, like you're thinking in terms of players. Like, think in terms of lineups. Now, I made the decision that I'm not going to build any lineups with Derrick Henry. That was that was the decision I I could have. I could have gone through and made and gone through and said, oh, let me take a look at the Henry lineups. I did that at the beginning. Let me take a look at the best non-Henry lineup if I, if I fade him. 
and I saw that I could make plenty of good lineups without him. So I said, if I'm making 18 lineups, I'm just going to fuck it. I'm not going to play him. People, people really think – so we are kind of talking through – we talked through both things. But the end result being finding lineups, right? Finding smart tournament lineups is basically what that end result that you just described. But there is a process that everyone has to go through to get there, right? And you do have to make tons of decisions – to get to get to build those lineups, right? And right. Everybody has a little bit different process, but you have to make a ton of decisions. Right. But, but you're focus. you're making. I just want to highlight the fact that you're making it more. You're doing the same thing I'm doing, but you're doing it in your head, intuitively, yeah. and I'm doing it through mm-hmm. through an opt. I'm I'm looking through and and running simulations and optimize like we're. I could I could do it in my head also. I just like I look at it and I go. I see what right. the top projected people. Yeah, right, I could do it the way that you do. Right, it. right, exactly. Like we're doing it, it the same exact way. Yeah. So like when Chot wins the million dollars, he's doing the same exact. We're all doing the concepts. We may not verbalize them the same way. Like you could listen to Chop on on a show and be like, you know, I I like this guy. Like when he says he likes this guy, he likes no that guy projects higher than his ownership. Like it's the same concept. He's looking at. Going like, how do I fade the Saints? He could be think, oh, the Saints suck or whatever, but he's still using the same concept of I'm going to fade Kamara, I'm going to fade Henry, and it's like, dude, I can do whatever I want now on FanDuel because I faded like the two highest on running backs. Like, he's <laughs> doing the same exact thing conceptually. I may be going through a little bit more of the math. He may be going more by feel, but we're getting to the same, we're getting to the same place. It's still the same concepts and the same thought process. You're doing it in smaller field. So it's it's not a matter of like, well, this is my way and this is your way. This There is only one way. Yep. Like, it's just a matter of, of, of how, you get, how you get to that, how do you get to that answer? And also realizing that there could be a thousand answers. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is, and that's why people get so hung up on the Derrick Henry is the best example because he's so polarizing. He's such a weird archetype of a, of a fantasy play that... People get so fixated on that. Do I do I have to play Derrick Henry this week or do I not have to? And the answer is literally always, it do, it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> it depends yeah, on the yes lineup that you play. Yeah, 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 yes and no. You know the the, the people people get so hung up. You know, not to call out the people on Twitter, but that's what it becomes because it's easy to just say like, oh, you played Derrick Henry, you're a fish, or oh, you didn't play Derrick Henry, you're a fish. But like like you said, none of that matters. But I think people lose sight of the end goal of what we're all trying to do. And that is just to make good tournament lineups and good tournament. Like we all have to make a decision on whether it's certain players or certain stacks or certain, whatever y'all have to make it. Everybody has to make a decision and, and we all make different decisions, right? If I came in and I said, I played all, I played Derrick Henry and all my team and you were like, Nope, I wrote off Derrick Henry. That doesn't mean anything. We both could be technically right. But that's because we were looking to get to the same destination. We just happened to use, you know, different directions to get there. And people get caught so caught up in each little direction, each little decision point being what we really need to focus on. And it's it's never what we really need to focus on, right? Because there there is almost no right answer. You know, al- almost being being the keyword. There are certain things that you probably shouldn't do. But even then, like just about everything is is debatable. Like we'll come on here and we and we. We'll play totally different lineups in a week or totally disagree on, on something. But we both have the exact same end goal in mind, whether we executed perfectly or not, um, and whether we agreed on the directions that got us there. But yeah, I could I, run I, I think, could run your lineups like the 
I, from a mathematical standpoint, I could probably take your lineups, your original lineups at least, not the ones that you late swapped to, and run Don't your lineups through my projections, and you you would your your Mitch Trubisky lineup could have a median of one forty seven in one of my lineups that has nine completely different guys. Mm-hmm. Right, completely have a one forty seven also, and we both look at the right. lineup with the same similar ownership levels, similar median, and go. Well, I understand why you made this lot. I mean, like, I didn't choose any of your players, yet I understand your. I understand your like this. This is this is a good lineup. I didn't choose this one. I choose I choose this one over yeah. the like like you could have made a Derrick Henry line. You could make you could have made eighteen Derrick Henry lineups that all have the same shot at winning as my lineups did. It's just that in your Derrick Henry lineups, you were you were fading Ayuk, right? Yeah. I had Ayuk. You didn't have Ayuk. You didn't have any DeAndre Hopkins. Because you were playing Henry, like you're 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 balancing out that car, that leverage and and projection by going well. If I'm playing Kamara and Henry in the same lineup, I can't play DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, because you can't spend up on him, probably. Yeah. But now that I'm playing David Johnson and and Tony Pollard in my lineup, I have R- Ridley and Hopkins in my lineup. But from a median perspective, you look and they go like that's it's it's about the same. Like we we both mm-hmm. we both got to a lineup that has about the same expected value and it has seven different players in it. And that that's the thing to think very non-linearly like that, right? You're thinking very abstract. It's conceptual thinking of it's very unnatural for most people to think in terms of how could two lineups have all different players and still be equal (laughs) to one another. And it's like, no mathematics that, 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 that is it. That's why there are a thousand potential answers on, on a given slate and we could both play different lineups and still both be right in theory. Yeah. The theory of DFS. Right. That, that's what it is. And you could pick up that. You could pick up the course theory of daily fantasy sports, the 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. Uh, if, if you're, if you're listening today or watching today, uh, there's, there's a code NBA $10 off. We're starting with NBA. You get $10 off. I, I don't, I don't, don't wait around for, for, for offer codes. I don't give them out that often. So I always have to say that because people, because people DM me and they say, is there a promo? Like it's worth, a, it's worth the money that it is. So like, I'm not going to constantly discount it, <laughs> but on the start of a new season. Okay, fine. NBA, it's Christmas time. I'm going to be a little bit giving Eric, right? It's Christmas time. So if you want, want $10 off by just the end of the day, the end of the 22nd, you know, in Eastern time. So, so, so get that in. If if you're listening now, if you, if you listen to daylight, then do daylight dollar short, do bad. You're screwed. Uh, but you could follow Eric, Eric by four on Twitter at blender HD. We got, we got, we got one more real week left. Do you consider week 17 to be a real week? No, because like so no. many people don't play. It's bad. It's, it's rough. Um, but I thought I you like, like, no, 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 this. hold on. You like shit show DFS. Yeah. We, we, but this is a very different kind of shit. Week 17 is a very different kind of shit show than like, like we talked about preseason NBA preseason is like a, a shit show. I don't even know how to describe it. So I'm not even going to do it justice by putting it, by, by putting it to words. But it's, I also think it's probably just like fatigue by the time we get to week 17. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, I, maybe I, I, if it I get was it. Week one, if, maybe if it was week one, but by the time we get to week 17, it's like, okay, I just did this for what? Three or four months. I'm tired. And now it's like the most grueling slate ever because it's all backups and it's a total disaster, you know? 
And 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 I, I can't recall if I've even done well on week 17. I, I really I really have no idea. Probably because of that fatigue. By the time we get to week 17, I'm just like, God, it put me out of my misery. This is <laughs> I'm so done with this. Okay, but we'll 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 be right. We'll t- I think that'll be a fun week to talk about because I think so. That you'll, you'll you'll need to not take a late news snooze during that week. Yeah, no kidding. So so until next time, there's been another episode of the Theory of DFS podcast.